Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the LA area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. If you have your Bibles, would you open your Bibles, your iPhones, your plasma TV, whatever you have to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Pastor Chet has been going through a series in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We will continue our time there and find ourselves looking today at a man by the name of Joseph. Love that character, love that man, love his example. So much to learn from him. I got to tell you, before we get into the study, man, I got to tell you this. My wife and I have the unbelievable privilege of having the opportunity to go to different places and just share the word. But there's something special about this place here. Getting to know your leaders, your pastors, unbelievable. They really, really are. You, you, have, you, have, you have a team of men and women that serve you, that have a genuine love and heart for Jesus. They really, really do. And I thank the Lord for that. Father, as we join together now to open your word, Some of us are waiting, waiting for different things, esperando, Señor. Some of us have been waiting for just a day, others for months, some for years. Lord, it takes faith to continue to believe that you're working when it's taking a long time. And so I pray that through our time, our short time together, looking at the life of Joseph, that we would be encouraged to once again trust you. Trust you in the waiting. Trust you in the dark times. And help us to remember, Lord, that you're always at work. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. It was probably... mm, Maybe 15, maybe 17, 18 years ago. My granddaughter, our oldest granddaughter, she's 22 years old. But she was probably about five, six years old. And I had this old pickup truck at the time that had a cassette player. How many of you remember what a cassette player is? Wow, a bunch of old people, man. And I had her in my pickup truck, this old pickup truck in the car seat. And as we start driving, she uh, says to me, can you please play this for me? And she hands me a CD. She's five years old. I say to her, babe, mira, mijita. That's a CD 
This is a cassette player. They're not compatible. You cannot play a CD in a cassette player. To which she says, okay, but can you play it for me, please? (laughs) No, listen. (laughs) Listen. Let me explain this to you, five-year-old. That's a CD. This is a cassette player. You cannot play a CD in a cassette player. You need a cassette. She said, okay. Can you play this for me, please? (laughs) And this went on time and time again. And you know what I realized? She don't understand. And the reason she don't understand is because she doesn't have the mental capacity. As I, the idea is that I'm, because I'm a lot older, I have an understanding what a CD is and what a cassette player is. But trying to explain those details to a five-year-old made no sense. Don't get it. I don't understand it. She didn't have the capacity to understand. It was then and there that I thought, how many times have I said to the Lord, Lord, explain it to me. Help me to understand. How could this be happening? And just to hear the voice of the Lord say, you don't have the capacity to understand. If I tried to explain to you why I'm doing what I'm doing, if I tried to explain to you how I'm doing what I'm doing, you wouldn't understand. And as I look at the life of Joseph, there's so many events that happen in his life that to the natural to the natural mind you look at it and you read it and you go i don't understand how can that happen to this guy if you know the story of joseph there's got to be a time when you're going through the scriptures that you just scratch your head and you go i don't understand how can this be happening so we're going to read hebrews chapter 11 but then we're going to also then go to Genesis chapter 39 and then Genesis 50. And so if you want to make your way there so that when it's time, you'll be ready. But in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 22, just one verse. That's all that Chad gave me. Just one verse. (laughs) Verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. I'm reading from the New International Version. It just kind of reads a little easier for me. But when I was reading this, and I started looking at this a while back, I was mesmerized by two words. Verse 22, by faith. By faith, Joseph. It doesn't say by Joseph's ability. It doesn't say by Joseph's background. 
It doesn't say by Joseph's education or experience or understanding or wisdom. What Joseph did and what he went through and how he persevered and how he achieved what he achieved was by faith. What do I mean? What do, when we talk about by faith, what, what do we mean? I, I, I put it this way. Faith is living your life as if it were so, even when it's not so, that it might be so just because God said so. Just because God said so. But have you ever noticed that if you're going to live by faith, if you're going to be a man, a woman, a youngster, a teenager that lives a life of faith, have you noticed that a lot of it has to do with letting go of something? Have you ever noticed that? Letting go of the past. I'm going to walk by faith. Let go of bitterness. Let go of unforgiveness. Let go. Let it go. I don't know if that's an easy thing for you. But for some of us, I use me. <laughs> Letting go. I, I, <laughs> Jack is an example of someone that's called to let it go. Jack was walking along a steep cliff when he accidentally got too close to the edge and fell. On the way down, he grabbed a branch which stopped his fall. The fall was more than a thousand feet. He was hanging on to the branch and began to yell for help. Help! Is there anyone up there? Help! Yelling for hours and about to give up when he heard a voice. Jack, Jack, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, but, but who are you? I'm the Lord, Jack. The Lord? You mean God? Yes, Jack, that's me. God? Please help me. I, prom- I promise. If you'll get me down from here, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. You ever made that promise? God said to Jack, here's what I want you to do. I'll do anything, Lord. I'll do anything. Just tell me what to do. Okay. Let go of the branch. Wait, what? God repeated, I said, I said, Jack, let go of the branch. Just trust me. Let go. There was a long silence. And finally, Jack yelled up, Is there anyone else up there that can help me? Lord, is there any other way I can do this? I can't let go. I want to trust you. I want to walk by faith. That I can't seem to let go. When we talk about faith and letting go, there are some words that for me, for me, they're kind of hard to explain faith. I, I, I know Hebrews chapter 11, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. I, I know that. But it's a lot easier for me 
that when I see a word in action, I can understand it a lot more. For example, if I see somebody taking a step of faith, I can look at that and go, that's what I'm talking about. Instead of just trying to define it. You find that in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 5. It's Peter. Jesus gets into the boat with Simon Peter. And, and Jesus is there inside the boat and he's preaching out to the crowds. Peter is sitting back here in the back of the boat. He's been fishing all night. He's just come in. They're cleaning their nets. There's boats probably all the way along, fishermen that have been fishing. They're cleaning their nets. And Peter is sitting there, probably looking at the back of Jesus as Jesus is preaching. And then Jesus stops and he looks back at Simon. And he said, Oh, yeah. Let's do something. Let's go out to the deep and let's go fishing. Now, there's a a lot of problems with that. Because, tell me, what did Jesus do for a living in the physical sense? He's a carpenter, right? What did Peter do for a living? So one of the problems that Peter probably had right off the bat is... He's got, a fisher, uh, he's got a carpenter telling him what to do and when to do it. That doesn't make sense. Now, he's telling Peter to do something that is against the natural tendency because he's been fishing all night long. He says to him, Jesus, we've been fishing all night long. We haven't caught anything. But I appreciate your heart, Jesus. I know you mean well, but it ain't going to work. Peter's got to jump through a bunch of hoops if he's going to walk by faith, if he's going to really trust and let go of human understanding. He's got a mental hoop that he's got to run through, jump through. It doesn't make sense. We fish at night. And we don't fish out in the deep at night. We we fish closer to the edge. He's got to jump through a societal hoop. Why? Because there's other fishermen, professional fishermen, that are looking on to Peter. And if Peter goes out fishing after they've all come in, they're going to think he's a fool. He's got a societal loop. Hoop to jump through. But here's faith. Here's faith. Peter, let's go out to the deep. Let's go fishing. Jesus, we've been fishing all night long. We haven't caught anything. Here's faith. Here's faith. But because you say so, let's go fishing. See, that's faith. That's letting go. It doesn't make sense. People don't do that. They're going to think I'm a fool. I can lose money. It's not natural. It goes against everything that I feel comfortable about. It goes against everything that I'm used to doing. But because you said so, that means more to me than everything else. And so because you say so... Let's go fishing. And what happened? They caught more fish than they ever caught. 
So what is it that the Lord is calling you to do? What step of faith? What area of your life that you say, oh, no, no, see, that, <laughs> that, doesn't, make, that, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I, it seems like that's something that the Lord's called me to do, but it just doesn't make sense to me. What, what did Hebrews 11.22 say? By faith. By faith. Joseph, when he was at the end, uh, close to the end, end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites. Now, now I told you we were going to go to to Genesis. Go with me to Genesis as we look at this in chapter 50 and just kind of read a little bit about Joseph's life. Obviously, it's from chapter 37 all the way through chapter 50, so we're not going to cover all the verses, but... In chapter 50, there is one element. There's one element, and then we'll look at some others. That as I prayed, I said, Lord, there's so much. What, what is it that we can talk about that is going to be relatable to us in our everyday life? And so look with me at chapter 50, beginning in verse 24. This is towards the end of his life, and we'll get back to the beginning in a bit. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely, now you've got to pay close attention. God will surely come to your aid, and he's going to take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let me read that one more time. I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land that he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you like to write things down, take a note, whatever, I wrote this down. Joseph, by faith, stood firm on the word of God. Why do I say that? Well, how does Joseph's life begin if not by a word from the Lord? Oh, it was a dream. I know that. It was through a dream that the Lord said to Joseph, I'm going to use you, Joseph. But he, he, he gave him a word. Your brothers are going to be bowing down to you. Your father's going to be bowing down to you. It was something that God spoke to him about, about his future. And now in chapter 50, and and, in other places, but in chapter 50, did you notice what he said? I'm about to die, but surely the Lord is going to come to your age. And here's what the Lord's going to do. The Lord is going to take you up out of this land, and he's going to take you to the land that by oath he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was a word. That Joseph had. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 3, the Lord speaks, and the Lord says this I appeared to Abraham, I appeared to Isaac, and I appeared to Jacob as the Lord God Almighty. But do you know that God never appeared to Joseph? So, what did Joseph have? He had the word of God. He didn't have signs other than the dreams that he had in the beginning. 
<laughs> Interestingly enough, the dreams that he had in the book of Genesis, he said, hey, brothers, the 11 brothers, he's the youngest uh, out of the, the bunch, and they hate him because he's dad's favorite, the baby. Hey, brothers, I had a dream. Uh, we were out in the field, and uh, my, my, my sheaf of grain kind of raised up higher, and all of your sheaves of grain bowed down to me. And their brother, his brothers, they couldn't take a joke. What are you talking about? Are you saying that we're going to bow down to you? And they hated him even more. Now, Joseph, a little bit of wisdom would have been good. But Joseph says, I've had another dream. <laughs> and in this other dream, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, they all bow down to me. Oh, my. Mm. But that was a word from the Lord. Joseph, by faith, stood firm on a word, not because of anything else. Now, he didn't have the, the written word. He didn't have the book of Genesis. He hadn't read Genesis chapter 50, but he had it in his heart. In the Gospel of Luke in chapter 7, it's about a Roman centurion. And the Roman centurion has a servant that he really likes. He's favorable toward him. But the servant is sick, sick to the point of death. And the Roman centurion, that's not a Jew, he's Roman, he's a Gentile. He calls some of the elders, some of the, the Jews that were elders, and he said he had heard about Jesus, and he goes, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you go get Jesus so that he can come and heal my servant? So they go, Jesus, this Roman centurion, he's been good to us. You need to come and heal this centurion's servant. So Jesus decides he's going to go. But in Luke chapter 7, in verse 6, something interesting happened. I don't know why it is that the Roman centurion all of a sudden goes, hey, stop, stop the presses. Call some of his friends. Hey, go and meet Jesus and tell him, stop. I, I, I don't deserve that he should come under my roof. I don't deserve that. In fact, that's why I didn't even go to him because I don't deserve to even be in his presence. But watch what the centurion says. But tell Jesus this. Tell him, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. The servant didn't need, or the centurion didn't need a, a sign. I need proof. I'm Gideon. I, I need a, the fleece. Uh, I, I need more evidence. No, the Roman centurion says, Jesus, just say the word. Can you, can you embrace that? Can you be at a place? Can you be the person that as you look at your marriage and maybe a little bit of tension and turmoil in the marriage, can you just go, Lord, just say the word. I, I, I don't need more evidence. I don't need more proof. I don't need more signs. Lord, show me your word. Show me what, what, what it is in your word. The Lord gives us promises. Some of us still demand a sign. Some of us still demand 
more from the Lord than just his word. The story is told of a young man that was a skier, snow skiing. Supposedly pretty good. He finds himself skiing down a snow slope. And something happens to where he begins to tumble. And as he's tumbling down this hill, bam, hits a tree. Shatters his leg. Can't walk. Rush him to the hospital. He's laying there in the hospital, moping. I don't understand. How could this happen? My life is over. First doctor comes in. Looks at the chart, looks at the young man, says to him, you're in bad shape. You really are. He said, um, the young man said to this doctor, I don't understand. <clears throat> what happened? <clears throat> and the doctor said, I, I can explain it to you. He said, when you began to tumble, let me explain it to you medically. When you began to tumble, this particular bone broke. And then when that bone broke, then this bone shattered. And then this bone broke. And then this stuck out one side. And the other bone stuck out the other side. Now do you understand? Do you understand what happened? And the patient is laying there going, I understand, but I don't feel any better. I don't feel any better. So that doctor leaves. The second doctor comes in. He looks at the chart. And he says to the young man, man, you are tore up. You're in bad shape. He says, but I'll make you a promise. Yeah, what? I'll make you a promise. If you will let me work with you, and you will do everything that I say to you, and you put the best effort that you can put into it, in the next six months, I'll have you back on that slope. Really? Yep. So that doctor leaves. The patient sits up in the bed. Now he's got a smile on his face. Why? What was the difference? One had understanding, but the other one had a promise that led to hope. We, we may not always have understanding, but you know what we have? We got a lot of promises, folks. We got promises. We got promises that our God is always going to be with us and our God is always at work. I don't get it, man. I don't understand why this happens, and I don't understand why that happens. I don't understand, but I got a promise. And Pastor Dan has quoted it, in this world, you're going to have tribulations, but cheer up. I got you covered. We got the promises. Sometimes we think that if we could only understand that it would make a big difference. Look at with me. Go back to chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39, and I want us to look at another area of Joseph's life that I think is just amazing. I have such an admiration for this guy. Now, you know, there's not a sin recorded for the life of Joseph, but he's human. He's human. Uh, and so there's relatability. But I have a, a great deal of admiration for this man that just persevered through so much. 
But let's look at one more element, another element of Joseph's life in chapter 39 and verse 1. It says, Joseph had been taken down, and I'll explain. He'd been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, he's like a governor. An Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Now, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. Joseph has been sold into slavery. Joseph, when he told his dream to his brothers, the brothers threw him in a pit. Then they brought him out and they sold him into slavery. Angry, bitter. And as he is put on a slave auction block, Potiphar, the kind of governor of the land, purchases him and brings him home to his house to be his attendant. And Joseph is doing his work so good that this governor gives him over everything. And at this home, Potiphar is married. He's got a wife, Mrs. Potiphar. Hmm. (laughs) You know the story, don't you? Mrs. Potiphar. What a character. Joseph is uh, going about his business, doing his work. Look at verse 6. Potiphar left everything that he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he didn't concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, just like Pastor Chet. No, no, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that, no. After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, the subtle approach Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything that he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day. Now, remember, Joseph is like about 20 years old. Spoke to him day after day. He refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. I wrote this down. Joseph, by faith, continued to remain faithful to the Lord through it all. In everything. So let's do a a, a real quick recap. Let's catch up. Joseph has dreams. His brothers hate him. Uh, Judah, one of the brothers, they want to kill him because they just hate him. Judah, one of the brothers, said, no, let's not kill him. He's our flesh and blood. Let's throw him in a pit, a cistern, an empty well, big, huge hole in the ground. He stood down in the ground. 
Uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, let's pull them up. The Ishmaelites are, are coming by. Let's give them over to them and sell them into slavery. So they sell Joseph. They sell his, their own brother to the Ishmaelites. And they put him probably in some kind of wagon or whatever. And, and as he's in this wagon and, and he's driving away, he, the, as he looks back, the brothers are just getting smaller and smaller, the farther and farther away that Joseph is going. And he's got to be scratching his head going, ¿Qué pasó? <laughs> I thought the Lord spoke to me. I, I thought the Lord said about using me. Did I miss something? And so he sold into slavery there at the, at the slavery, uh, on the slave trading block. I told you Potiphar purchases him. And, and he, he takes him home and he becomes a servant that is prosperous. And, and he has a, a Potiphar's wife that is uh, making the move on him. And he refuses her and does the right thing. How could I do this? I can't do this. And watch what he says. And sin against God? What a man. A man of character. But she's had day after day after day, and finally one day he, she comes after him, and, and he, tries, he, he runs, and she grabs his uh, uh, cloak and grabs a piece of it and tears it, and he takes off. And when Potiphar comes home, she says, look, look at what this Hebrew slave did. He, tried, he made sport of me. Oh, the husband, he was upset. So now he gets thrown in prison. That's chapter 40, chapter 39, chapter 40, chapter 41. Joseph has now gone from the pit, and now he has been accused of attempted rape. False. False accusations. Unfair treatment. And he's thrown into prison. What do you do with that? Joseph remained faithful. Joseph remained faithful to the Lord through it all. And it's there in prison. It's there in prison that the Bible says that, notice with me in in chapter 40, it says that the uh, chapter 40, we're not going to read it, but chapter 40, there's uh, the beginning of the chapter in verse 1, sometime later, okay, read it. The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt uh, offended their master and the king of Egypt and Pharaoh was angry. The two officials, the cupbearer and the chief baker, they put him in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. So even in prison, in the upper verses, it says that the the warden saw that the Lord was with Joseph in prison. In prison, Joseph stands out. A man of faith, Joseph, by faith, even in prison, is continuing to be faithful to his God. So much so that he's being elevated and he's in charge of all of the prison. And then when they bring in chapter 40, they bring in two more prisoners, a cupbearer. What's a cupbearer? A cupbearer was the guy that sat next to the king. And before the king ate the food, the cupbearer would taste the food. Before the, cup, before the king would drink the wine, the cupbearer would drink the wine. So if they tried to poison the king, the cupbearer would die, but long live the king. <laughs> so the cupbearer, he gets thrown into prison, and the baker gets thrown into prison. doesn't say why, <coughs> but they did something. And what's amazing to me, what's amazing to me is look at verse 6 of chapter 40. 
Joseph came to them, the cupbearer and the baker, the next morning. And watch what it says. He saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him. And the master said, why do you look so sad today? Wait, Joseph had been thrown in prison and accused unfairly. It's unjust what they've done to him. It's not right. But yet he looks at somebody else and he goes, hey, what's up, man? Why are you so sad? That's character. That's focus. That's perspective that God, the battle belongs to the Lord. I don't know why this is happening. I don't understand why I'm in prison. I know that I had a vision or a dream, but I don't understand. But God is still on the throne. And he ain't taking applications from nobody. And they're in prison. The cupbearer and the baker says, well, um, we're sad because we've had a dream. How did Joseph's story start to begin with? Do you remember? Had a dream. And what what did the dream get him? Get thrown in a pit. Sold into slavery, and now he's in prison. And the cupbearer and the baker go, we had a dream. Really? Tell me about it, Joseph said. <laughs> Tell me about your dream. Well, the cupbearer says, we had this happen, and this dream, and this dream, and that dream. And Joseph said, here's the interpretation. In three days, you're going to get your job back. Oh, fantastic. The baker goes, hmm, I like that. Let me tell you my dream. So the baker tells Joseph the dream. And Joseph says, uh, in three days, uh, the king's going to cut your head off and impale your body on a, on a pole. Mm. Uh, Cub Bear, can we trade dreams? <laughs> and sure enough, sure enough, Joseph shows his humanity. He says to the Cub Bear, hey, listen, listen. When you get restored back to your job, remember me. Here, let me write my name on the manacle of your hand. J-O-S-E. Jose? Your name? No, no, no. P-H. Joseph, when you get restored back to your position, remember me. So he gets uh, set free. The cupbearer goes his way. And Joseph, if he's anything like any one of us, is sitting in his prison cell going, any day now. Any day, a couple days go by, he sees some prison guards come. Oh, here they come. Here they come. They just keep going by. And every time he hears the clanging of the keys, oh, they're coming. They just walk by. Look at chapter 41. When two full years had passed, Joseph sat in prison Forgotten by man. You forgot me. You abandoned me. I did something good for you. I helped you. And when I was in need, you forgot me. You ignored me. Who would have blamed Joseph for having a hardened heart? Who would have blamed Joseph for being bitter and hateful? In life, but now, <coughs> two years later, the king, Pharaoh, he has a dream. He has a dream. 
He calls them magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the astrologers, and nobody can interpret the dream. He says to the cupbearer, hey, I had a dream, and nobody can interpret it. And the cupbearer goes, ay, Dios mío, I forgot. <laughs> oh, man, I forgot. There's a guy in prison. He interprets dreams. Really? Who is it? The name Joseph. Bring him up here. They wash him up. Clean him up, shave him. He's standing before the king. Hmm. Put yourself in Joseph's sandals for just a second. You're brought into a room where there's the king, but there's the cupbearer that forgot you <laughs> for two years. I'm listening to the king. Asking me if I can interpret dreams, but I'm looking at the cupboard. Remember me? Remember me? Oh, if that story would have written about me, it'd be different. If it was written about you, it'd be different, wouldn't it? Go after them. Why did you forget me? How could you do this to me? Hey, I understand that you can interpret dreams. Joseph remained faithful to the Lord through it all. Kept his eyes on the Lord. He says to the king, no, I can't. Check this out. Check this out. Chapter 41. I can't, but I serve a God that can after being forgotten in prison. He's in prison for being accused of attempted rape falsely. He's sold by his brothers to slavery, taken out of a pit, and he still says, I serve a God that is able to. I serve a God that is able to do far more than I can ask or imagine. For some of us, we're, we're still waiting. We're waiting. When is it going to be my turn? When is deliverance going to come for me? When is uh, payback going to happen for me? When am I going to finally be justified, cleared of, my, of any wrongdoing? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall do what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait, wait. Be faithful. Don't get hard. Don't harden your heart. Don't let bitterness creep in. God knows. Nobody pulls the wool over God's eyes. Nobody gets away with anything. Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. If you've been wronged, if you've been mistreated, if you've been abandoned by family members, if they turn their back on you, wait, just wait, be faithful. Noah, Noah, ring a bell, Noah, you know, ark, flood. It's it's a Noah and the ark. (coughs) it's the Lord that says to Noah, oye, it's time to get into the ark 
get in the ark. The Lord tells him that. All the animals are in, every kind of animal. And it's really an ark. You know what it is? A barge. It's just a square barge. No air conditioning, no ventilation, no running water, no toilets, no showers. Just animals. Just animals and Noah and Mrs. Noah and a couple of the kids. And they get in and, and the Lord closes the door. And then later, it's the Lord that opens the door and says, okay, come on out. Do you, do you know how long they drifted in that barge from the time that God said, get in the uh, ark, get out of the ark? 360 days. A year, a year in that ark, <coughs> no rudder, no sail, no steering wheel, no motor, just drifting. Where, Mrs. Noah says to Noah, where are we going? Another fine mess you got us into, Noah. And the kids are looking at Noah. Are we there yet? I mean, there was. <laughs> it's King David from the time that he was anointed as a king to the time that he took the kingdom 25 years. 25 years. Wait. Wait. But there's a reward. They're the reward for those that wait. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. Because those that come to him must believe that he is. That he is what? That he's there. That he's able. And that he is a rewarder to, the, uh, to those that diligently seek after him. Remain faithful. God's working. Let me just kind of give you this. Would you, would you consider this? Delays and detours, delays, detours, and difficulties are means by which God can get the glory. They are means by which God can get the glory. But you have to stay focused on him. It's Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas. They get thrown in prison unfairly. They did something good. They delivered a young woman from demon possession. And they, they get thrown into prison. They get beat with their fists. They get beat with sticks. They get scourged with whips. They get dragged through the city. They get stripped naked and stood before the marketplace. And then after all of that, they're thrown into a pit. And again, who would blame these guys to just go, God, this is what you do? When I do the right thing, this is how you pay, pay me? Repay me? No. Mm-mm. No, there was a, a focus and a perspective that Paul and Silas had that I wish we would. Maybe you do. I, maybe it's just me. But it's there in prison that the Bible says that at midnight, at the darkest time of the night, at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing hymns to the Lord. 
They're singing. They're, they see the Lord in this situation. They see God's hand in this situation. So can you imagine? They, they've been beat with the fist. They've been beat with baseball bats. They're bloodied. Their hair is matted with blood and mud. Their lips are swollen and they're in stocks. And Paul looks over at Silas and he says, hey, want to sing a song? Are you, are you serious? Paul, estás loco. What's the matter with you? Echate una ranchera, Silas. There's something very, very special. There's somebody that at a midnight time in their life, they can still sing to the Lord. There's a, a bird called a robin. You know when a robin sings? When a girl robin comes alongside of him. He likes that. He starts singing. You know when a rooster sings? When it's daylight. They can see. I can see now. Okay, now I can sing. But there's a bird called a nightingale. You know, you know when a nightingale sings? Always. All the time. Good times, bad times, dark, light. They sing. Delays can be means by which we give glory to the Lord. Chapter 50, we're going to end in chapter 50 of the book of Genesis. We're almost done. Chapter 50, verse 18. We all know this verse. His brothers came, and this is after he's restored to his family, and you can read the rest of the story later. His brothers came and threw themselves down before him and said, We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I wrote this down by faith. Joseph kept a proper perspective through it all. He kept a proper proper perspective through it all. It was the Lord. When I got thrown in the pit, God was involved. When I was thrown in prison, God was involved. When I was... uh, Brought before the king, God was involved. So you, you guys had an intention to do me harm, but God used this. Can we say that? It's the Apostle Paul that writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the problems that we faced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. We we despaired of life itself. We felt that we were under the sentence of death. But listen to what he says. But, but this happened. That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This is, God is involved in this. Look for the hand of God. Look for the hand of God. I leave you with something that God uses different means, different ways in which he ministers to us. Our youngest son, Matt, 
The Lord has allowed us to raise three, two boys and a girl. They're all married, got their own kids. So when our, young, when our youngest son, Matthew, he must have been about eight, eight years old, loved uh, football. I wanted him to be a baseball player, but he loved football. But there's a school, a baseball school. We live in Fort Lauderdale, Broward County, about an hour north in Palm Beach County. There, there used to be, I don't know if they're still there, but there used to be a baseball school called Bucky Dent. Bucky Dent used to play for the Yankees 100 years ago. And so I decided, you know what I'm going to do for Christmas? I'm going to buy my son, Matt, a week's worth of Bucky Dent school in the summertime. Hmm. So I called Bucky Dent School. Oh, this, that, and this, and that. By the way, Mr. Gomez, can we make a suggestion? When your son comes up here, he's going to be doing a lot of running. So we suggest that at least a month before he comes up here, that you kind of help him get in shape so that he can really fully enjoy the camp. Okay. Now it's going to be a Christmas surprise. So I'm not going to tell Matthew about it. So he comes home from school. I bring him home from school. Uh, okay, son, um, go ahead and change out of your school clothes and put on some uh, clothes and some shoes because we're going to do some running. What? <laughs> running? Why? I'll just, we're going to do some running. Am I in trouble? <laughs> no, 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 you're not in trouble. Come on, let's go outside. We're going to go. And so I, I mark uh, a line right here, 90 feet, because that's a distance from the bases. Put another line. I, I stand over here. Okay, Matt, you stand over there, and when I say go, you take off running over to this line. So he, okay, Matt, ready, set, go. He takes off, and he gets here. He goes, okay, I'm done. No, 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 we're going to run some more. Pops, I don't understand. Why are we doing this? Come on. Matt, do you trust your father? Do you trust me? Yeah, but I don't understand what... Matt, do you trust me? Yeah, okay. Well, then line up, and we're going to run some more. He gets over there. He comes back, and we do this for two weeks, three weeks, and he's still going... (laughs) It doesn't make any sense, boss. Why am I doing this? You'll see. You'll see, son. Right now, you don't get it. Right now, you don't understand. But I have a plan. Your father has a plan. You'll see. One day, you're going to see. And so then Christmas comes. Oh, man, open up presents. I give him the box with the little envelope in it. Bucky Dent opens it up. Dear Matthew Gomez, welcome to Bucky Dent Baseball School. And as he's reading this letter, I can see his eyes. They're like just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and he looks at me. He looks at me, and he goes, "So this is why." I'm sorry. He goes, "So, so this is why." I get it now. Now it makes sense. And I thought, folks, sometimes we just got to keep running. We just got to keep running because there's a reward. Galatians chapter six verse nine says, "Do not grow weary." In doing what is right, because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if, if what? You do not give up. 
Blessed is the man, James chapter 1, verse 12 says. Blessed is the person that perseveres under the test. Because when he has stood the test, he receives the crown of life. My brothers and sisters, keep running. You don't get it. You don't understand why. But our God is faithful even when we are not faithful. And he will bless your life for perseverance. Amen? Oh, Lord, thank you. Our Father, we are honored. We are blessed. Sometimes we don't see it, but we are blessed at the opportunities to trust you. Lord, you said in your word, being confident of this, that he who began a good work is going to finish it. And, Lord, there's times that we don't understand. There's times that we are like my granddaughter with a CD and trying to make it work in the cassette. And we get frustrated. Lord, may we continue wait upon the Lord. Those that wait will renew their strength. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. If you happen to be here today and you don't, yet have a personal relationship with Jesus, please make sure that you find out what that means. Ask somebody. We're going to be in the back over here, my wife and I. Find out what does it mean to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Because a relationship with Jesus changes everything. Amen. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.